Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Kelly Barner, and Kim Winter with you here today on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. So today's show is the latest installment of our Dial P for Procurement, very popular series that's presented jointly with our friends over at Buyer's Meeting Point. Kelly, how are you doing this morning? I am doing great, Scott. I'm thrilled to be here, actually. Um, and as, as people keep saying, you know, I know we're, we're bringing a lot of the Supply Chain Now audience sort of into the, into the world of procurement. This is a fascinating time to be really in any field, but to be in procurement, it's great. So I'm glad to be having this conversation now. Agreed. And, you know, we have, we've one-upped ourselves uh, a number of different ways here. We've got our dear friend and special co-host, Kim Winner with Logistics Executive Group joining us from Dubai. Kim, good morning. Hey, Scott. How you doing? Doing wonderful. Uh, and really have enjoyed uh, reconnecting with you. Uh, Kelly and I get, get to reconnect pretty regularly. And Kim, we never get enough Kim Winter. Uh, I really love, admire admire what you do and, and all the good good uh, stuff that you lead really across the globe. So a lot of kindred spirits there, Kim. Thanks, Scott. Really appreciate it. Wait, there's more. There is more. So t- today is truly a global discussion on the wide world of procurement and, and really uh, supply chain. And for that matter, global business. We've got a global business leader with us here today that we're going to introduce in just a second, so stay tuned. But two quick programming notes before we get started. First off, uh, one of the many things that Kim does that does a great job at is interviewing business leaders across the globe on his podcast series on YouTube called Logistics Executive TV. So you're going to want to check that out and subscribe. Uh, Kim, what's a, what's a, one of your favorite conversations there here lately? Uh, well, actually, Scott, we've been uh, talking to a lot of people in Asia recently. There's uh, the economy's hot in Asia, of course. So we've been talking to people right throughout the APAC region uh, in India here as well. And uh, we've got a couple of uh, uh, conversations in Europe coming up as well. So very exciting. Um, you know, some tough times out there at the moment, obviously, and, and India's top of mind at the moment. We're doing a lot of things around uh, helping out in India at the moment as well. Agreed. And on that note, uh, be sure to check out the links uh, to our listeners. There's a, a great uh, relief project that we're helping to support, uh, for, frankly, with along with Kim and Kelly and everyone else uh, that Vector Global Logistics is leading. So check out the link in the show notes there and get involved. And then secondly, you can find Dial P, the live stream, every third Tuesday of the month of 2021 at 12 noon Eastern time sharp because Kelly Barn, Barner runs a very tight ship. And oh, we yeah. always have great very conversations there, right, Kelly? Absolutely. We sure do. And a fabulous audience. That's right. It would not be the same without the audience. Amen. All right. So on that note, but today, today, we again, we have one up ourselves. We've got a wonderful featured guest here today. I want to welcome in Sam Achampong. Regional Head and General Manager for the Chartered Institute of Procurement and Supply, perhaps better known as SIPS. Sam, good morning. How are you doing? Hi, Scott. I'm good. How are you? Doing wonderful. I've enjoyed, uh, all of us have enjoyed the pre-show conversation, which was wide-ranging, a number of subjects. And then, of course, I enjoyed uh, meeting you in, initially a couple months ago, thanks to uh, Kim Winter's kind introduction. So we look forward to diving deeper into your perspective and journey here today. 
Yeah, let's go for it. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the introduction. And uh, yeah, Kim, I know very well. He's, uh, you know, he's in, he's in my neighborhood. So yes, of course, we're, we're kindred spirits and in the same industry, which is good. Wonderful. And we're going to talk more about Dubai, the incredible market that is here momentarily. But Kim, where are we starting with our dear friend, Sam? Well, Sam, uh, salam alaikum. Alaikum salam, Kim. Great to see you, Sam, and uh, it's it's been it's been good to catch up with you again recently. Uh, I think we both ran into each other uh, two years, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago when you first came to uh, to the Middle East. Yeah, and I, you know, you know that that welcoming Aussie voice that I thought would be a, a familiar accent I'd encounter when I came to to the Arab world. Uh, yeah, was was very welcome when I first met you. So, uh, and we've kept in touch since then, haven't we? We have, and it's been good to uh, bang into you at a few events over the years, and but whether we've been speaking or hosting them, and, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the SIPS events, which are very high profile here in the Gulf. So I'm sure we'll discuss that a bit later on. But well, let's just jump into it uh, as part of the supply chain now tradition. We always like to talk to people about their upbringing, right in from the the get go, where you came up uh, out of out of school, even early life and uh, how the journey started for you. So uh, floor is yours. Enlighten us. Yeah, well, that's an interesting one, going, going way, way back, obviously, uh, giving away my age. Uh, but uh, no, I, I grew up in a place called Tottenham, which is in North London. Um, it's the people will recognize the name because it's the it's the hometown of the greatest football team in the world as everyone knows <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur or Spurs so uh, the, the the chuckle suggests that uh, we don't all agree but as far as I'm concerned we are the best um, so that, that's why I grew and uh, yeah I'm uh, got uh, three siblings two older brothers and one younger sister I'm the youngest boy um, so um, that can be either good or bad but I, I think I was incredibly spoilt all my life by by, by my mother which is good uh, so I was I was uh, I was kind of like the kid who could do no wrong and I, I was very very protected by my mum I remember growing up uh, I was the kid who if I went to stay with someone over the summer holidays uh, my mum would always tell their parents right whatever Sam does you can't smack him just just call me and tell me <laughs> but do not lay a hand on him um, now I don't know if, if that's because she she was she knew I was going to misbehave but uh, uh, there you go so, so I was always I was always very well protected but I think my parents were, were, were very, very high on the, on the achievement side, on the education side. Um, we really didn't have uh, anywhere to hide if we weren't achieving. I think I, when I was about seven, I must have come second in a test at school one day and came home very, very excited about it. But she wasn't excited. She wanted to know why um, <laughs> wow. I came second. So I, I kind of looked at my older brothers and they kind of went, yeah, that's how it is. So <laughs> get, get, get get used to it so um uh, my parents are both from from ghana which is in west africa so um they they're both from ghana in west africa um but they met um in both in the uk where where they subsequently live for the rest of their lives and uh and i think that's where the, some of the discipline and 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 educational achievement attitude really comes from so uh so yeah two older brothers a younger sister um, um my brother has has been an eternal expat all of his life i never have been um but i'll go into it a bit later as to how i ended up in dubai but um going through school um you know i wasn't particularly uh, keen on the academic side i was i was more into you know sports football and and latterly taekwondo um which, which is which is uh kind of something i got into um but uh but nevertheless i wasn't allowed to be a, an average student uh but having said that i i never had aspirations to get into procurement or supply chain um uh, and actually it's something that i, I i'm still very passionate 
uh, about changing because um, that was many, many years ago. And, and actually still there isn't a natural route at undergraduate level for people to get into procurement supply chains. It, it really is a, a big hole that, um, that, that, that we need to fill. Um, so when I did start working, I worked for many, many years uh, for an organization uh, called Land Securities. Uh, so almost nine years with Land Securities and they are um, effectively one of, one of the largest uh, property companies or real estate developing companies in, in the UK. Um, and I worked for them for, for many, many years in several uh, different roles and um, the division I was working with um, at one stage were dealing with a lot of government uh, PFIs or private finance initiatives or uh, private public partnerships, depending on where you are in the world, uh, including uh, involved in buying assets off the government and basically re-letting re them to the government, but but then managing them, um, uh, the government and other in, uh, other large in institutes such as the BBC, etc. So I was involved in a lot of the aspects of that uh, initially as a as a project manager, uh, and that after one particular project, uh, the procurement team um, invited me to join the procurement team. You know, you come into procurement, uh, so and, and that that's how I ended up in the industry. So I want to uh, interject here for a second and bring Kelly Barner in. Uh, to I've never gotten an invitation from a procurement team, so that's a pretty highfalutin thing there, Sam. Uh, Kelly, how you speak to that for a second, if you would? You, you know, being in the procurement world yourself, you know, pulling in great talent like Sam that may, you know, maybe when, when he entered industry, it wasn't procurement as he was speaking to. Speak to that for a second, Kelly. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, as, as Sam mentioned, there's not a natural, you know, people might, whether they're in undergrad or in grad school, say, I want to work in finance or I want to be in marketing or operations. There's really not a solid academic link between being in school and then getting into procurement and supply chain. And that has two effects. So it does make it harder for people to hit the ground running. But in a lot of cases, people just don't know that procurement is a job. Um, and I think we're actually in a good place now because it used to be, so there's push and pull for getting people into procurement. It used to be um, that procurement was where they sent you when they didn't want to see you anymore. <laughs> That's where you put people so they couldn't do too much damage. So you didn't have to deal with them on other projects. But now, and I, so I love your story about that, Sam, of being invited in. Procurement figured out along the way, hey, you know what? We need to start picking who joins our ranks. And so seeing bright lights of inspiration and hard work and creativity, regardless of someone's background, because you know it's not going to be in procurement, and saying, hey, come join us, come be in procurement. I think we've finally done a better job worldwide of making that switch, but it's very, very common to hear sort of strange stories of how people ended up in procurement. I got laid off, for instance. I got laid off from my other job and, and was put into procurement. So Everybody has a story like that. Blessings in disguise are, are alive and well. And we're going to talk about talent, talent side uh, later in the interview. That's but, huge. but Kelly, let's keep driving with uh, Sam's background there. Absolutely. So Sam, you've talked a little bit about the companies and the, and the projects, but let's think a little bit about some of the roles that you've held. What are a few of the roles that you've been in or the teams that have worked on that have gone a long way towards shaping the way that you approach the work you do now? 
Well, well that's, that's a great question because I think I've been lucky to have been on this kind of ladder that has gone in a, in a sequential direction and, uh, and every experience has, has, has built on the other one. Um, it hasn't been planned in that way, but it's worked out quite well. So, you know, ha having a long experience working in land securities uh, within one company, within the environment of one organization, it gave me exposure to several uh, different experiences. So before I joined procurement, uh, as I said, I was working as a project manager and we're working on a number of um, uh, PFI deals and, and actually pr procurement consolidation exercises. Uh, that that's what the company were doing at the time. So uh, one example was we were uh, we we owned a, a number of uh, properties, probably maybe about a thousand properties, and we were going through a security um, exercise in 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 rationalising the security spend, which in effect meant right, you've got this amount of security guards. Um, let's work with a uh, technology agency, CCTV, RFID, all, all, all the other technologies. And obviously what you're doing is you're, you're rationalizing the personnel spend. So, so that, that was a project we were engaged in at the time. And, and so I was involved, involved from a project management perspective and then you had uh, obviously the procurement team. So it was after that exercise that, that procurement pulled me in. So um, I then joined the procurement team and that then gave me the the the, the background or the or the foundation from a procurement perspective to start working on different categories of spend, um, and and because I'm working still within the same organisation, I was able to get the, you know the, the very best grounding in procurement at that stage. Um, I, I was able to become a member of of SIPS at the time. Um, I was encouraged to do that. I was encouraged to start my SIP studies so that I understood the, the basics of procurement um, while I'm doing it, uh, which, which was the very, very best um, best way to start. And by the way, um, now my, my, my eldest, my son, who subsequently gone into procurement, um, is also straight out of university, a fully qualified SIP student, uh, because I insisted he was, obviously, and, and that's, that stood him in good, in, in good stead. So, yes, I have a, a kind of legacy of, of, uh, of procurement in my family now. But, uh, I love that. <laughs> you know, so, if, if I can call something out really quick, and Kim, I'd love for you to weigh in here. You know, awareness, uh, which is one of the themes here at the early part of this conversation, is so important. Right, because we all have that blind spot. We all don't know what we don't know, and you never know when your purpose in life may be in that blind spot until you're made aware of of what's involved. So, Kim, speak to that for a second. Yeah, well, that's it. And, and you know, one of the interesting things uh, about the event circuit up here uh, in the, in the Middle East and Dubai, and I've spent been commuting in and out of here nearly for 20 years, um, been here for the last year and a half due to COVID. Um, but, you know, finding that purpose and understanding what's going on, especially because uh, in my life anyway, it's pretty much been dominated by logistics and supply chain uh, that my entire career over the last many decades. Um, finding out about, you know, different elements of the supply chain has been really interesting. And Sam, you've You've really been a leading light in the entire industry up here in the Gulf for uh, the 13 years you've been here. You've had very high profile. SIPS is the most professionally run organisation across the landscape and ecosystem of logistics and supply chain here. Um, part of a very um, significant and structured organisation globally, of course. And the events that I've attended uh, through your invitations that you've held have given enormous insight and shone a light on many different aspects of the supply chain, not just around procurement 
and uh, and and supply. So uh, you know, I I just think you've you've done, you've done a big job in that area. The professionalism of supply chain in general has been really championed by you up here. So you know, well done. Uh, well, you know, and along those lines, uh, Sam and the SIPS group are probably providing awareness opportunities to a wide range of professionals to under to, to, to maybe uncover their purpose in life. So we're going to talk more about SIPS in just a minute, but Ken, that's a great call out. Um, so Kelly, let's keep driving with, with uh, you know, those key roles. And then we're going to talk Eureka moments in a minute. Yes. Um, so, you know, one of the things, and as I listen to you talk about how you got pulled into procurement, I think one of the things that might be easy for people to miss is how much heart you must have shown on that project. So just to kind of back up, because I'm I'm 100% with you. I'm thinking, okay, I have a sense of why Sam got pulled in. So when you talk about a workforce rationalization project or a services rationalization project, basically what you're saying is that an amount of work was done by some number of employees or some number of suppliers. And somebody's asking, do we need to spend this much? Do we need to have this many suppliers? Do we need to employ this many people in this area? Fun question. That is tough, tough work. Can you talk a little bit about maybe the difference between coming to a task like that as someone from outside of procurement, um, simply approaching it as a, a qualified human being in, in the business world versus maybe what you learned specifically from a, a procurement or a spend management or rationalization perspective along the way? I think that's a that's that's a great question, Kelly. And I think um, you know, since I've been in procurement, one thing that's characterised procurement as a profession, or as from a knowledge perspective, is that look, it's not rocket science, uh, and it doesn't doesn't need to be rocket science. And actually, um, I think looking back at that project, the majority of what I'm doing was not number crunching, or anything along those lines, or or or, or report writing. It was more around influencing people and uh, stakeholder management. And, and that was the key to what I was doing because you know, we, we know what the end game is and we know why we want to reach that end game. Uh, there, there's some commercial imperatives there. Um, but you've got a lot of people involved here. And actually, um, there, there was an added complexity to this particular project because uh, the employees, uh, some of them who you're talking about, are, are well, government employees to a certain extent. Um, and, and actually, uh, you've also got unions involved. So, uh, so, so it was complex. So the majority of my time was spent on the influencing side, the, 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 the putting forward um, a good rationale, um, influencing people, and it took a significant amount of time. We're talking probably and about And you said yes. Even after going through all that, you said yes, and you joined procurement. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think, look, I, I think I enjoyed it. Um, uh, you know, it, it was dynamic. It was interesting. The the a lot of the project was centred uh, around uh, the, the second city in the UK, which is Birmingham, uh, which is not where uh, where I lived. So it did involve you know certain weeks actually going out there, uh, being there for for a week or so. So it, it just did demonstrate the dynamism of procurement, and, and the, you know it's not necessarily boring. You're you're solving complex problems, coming up with solutions, but also bringing people along um, at the same time. Because uh, without those three elements, you're not going to be able to um, put forward your solution. Uh, the, the the soft side uh, uh, of that project and the soft side of procurement. Um, are the key sides 
to it and they're the fundamental sides and and i think even now i say to people that um look you you cannot be um a successful leader in procurement or a, or, or a senior person in procurement unless you master the soft skills um because if you master the technical skills that's all well and good but if no one's going to listen to you then <laughs> then you're pretty much on your own any sort of eureka moments along the way where either you thought okay here's a completely new perspective on business or when you thought to yourself okay you know what i'm a procurement guy i'm not just doing this for a little bit i'm i'm a procurement guy enough that i want to advocate for the profession any key moments along your way that jump out at you I think there, there there have been a few um, uh, because each role has been very very different and um, and, and I think if I kind of characterise my journey in any case, so land securities was kind of my, my my university and then when I left them I went into um, procurement consulting for an organisation called Buying Force and 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 that put the icing of, of the cake on on what I do because that gave me this supply relationship management skills uh, that I didn't have so so that that's kind of the, like the ladder and, and and at that point. I guess I was as rounded as I'm going to be in terms of knowledge. And um, I, I went on a, my brother has lived in Australia for many, many years. He's actually Australian now, which is quite interesting. I always give him a dig about that. <laughs> so um, so he, he had lived in Australia for many, many years and I'd never gone to visit him um uh, because it's too far and, and spain is a lot closer but um he, he was getting engaged at the time uh and he said look you've got to come and visit me you've got to come out and visit me so uh, this was going to christmas 2007 uh, so i said okay great i will come out this time so i went out all the way out to australia uh went to visit him he had his engagement there and, and we had fun over christmas uh and then i was going to travel back but i traveled to australia via emirates Emirates Airlines and um, uh, and Emirates are quite smart uh, because they kind of uh, kind of gave me a deal to say oh when you're flying back when you stop over in Dubai why don't you stop over why don't you stay over for a couple of days rather than just transiting and here's some vouchers for a hotel which makes it kind of a third of the price and whatever else and stay in Dubai and and I kind of thought yeah okay why not um yeah yeah you know, i'd heard of dubai saw and you're they, coming sam they saw you coming they did, yeah yeah and that, that's uh and people have been saying that to me ever since they, <laughs> they saw you coming <laughs> so um i kind of um you know dubai is a place that uh yeah i'd heard about um i hadn't made a specific effort to come out to and this was great here was here was an opportunity to break up my you know my 24-hour flight or sorry 12-hour flight or whatever it was um to australia so i stopped over in dubai for a couple of days and saw things and I was in a taxi uh, driving down Sheikh Zayed Road, which is the, the, the main road in Dubai, you know, eight lane highway uh, across the main, the main uh, uh, artery of Dubai. And I kind of looked at all these buildings that were, were up and, uh, you know, they all looked almost as if they'd just been built yesterday. Uh, they're all brand new. And, uh, and I'd been working for Land Securities. Uh, Land Securities, uh, as I say, biggest property company in the UK, building skyscrapers in London. Uh, but to do that, you know, it's going to take you about five years just in consultation or, or another five years in, in planning permission to put, put a tower up in, in the city of London. You know, it's, it's, it's not a straightforward thing uh, to build it. It's probably straightforward, but to, to, to get all the, all the approvals in place, it's not. So I kind of said to the taxi driver who was driving me along, I said, well, how long have these buildings been out here? And he said, yeah, two years, 18 months, whatever. And I said, how did, how did they do it so quickly? And he said, why, what do you mean? I said, well, how do they get permissions? How do they get, uh, you know, the authority to do it? And he said, well, no, if, uh, if his highness wants it to happen, it will happen. And I kind of thought that was 
kind of refreshing. <laughs> Is it re- refreshing? Kind of thinking. I thought, okay, yeah, that 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 makes sense. Um, so when I went back to the UK uh, three or four uh, days later, I kind of made it known to a few headhunters that I may be interested in moving to Dubai. And um, yeah, and uh, three months later, um, I kind of flew back out here with uh, to, to to speak to uh, uh, an organisation out here, and uh, and that was it. So in total, six months later. Uh, I was in Dubai, so so so, so that kind of that, that that's what kind of brought me to Dubai. So I I built up my, I guess my procurement expertise and and uh, look in terms of maturity of a profession, Dubai or the Middle East um, was slightly behind uh, where I was. So from from here on in, it's all about you know imparting my knowledge. So I came out here to set up a procurement team uh, for an organisation called McKeel, who were. Um, almost the equivalent of land securities in Dubai. Um, so I did that and it, it, it's all about, you know, again, imparting my expertise, putting a team together, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and and I see all my subsequent roles uh, in Dubai leading up to before I joined SIPS as, as following that same path, um, going in, having a look at uh, what an organization is doing, helping them set up the right structure uh, for a procurement team or procurement or a process and uh, and giving that knowledge and moving on. So the the bottom market, the the uh, Dubai market is fascinating. Uh, you know, Sam, you mentioned last time we got together, the future is east, and I've been sharing that quite a bit because it's it's really remarkable. Um, regardless of, of the, the whatever the, the dynamic is behind it, what's taking place in the Dubai market? So, what's your you know? I'm going to ask Sam and Kim momentarily. What, what's your favorite aspect of living? And working and doing business based right there in Dubai. I think, um, look, it, it, it's a fast-moving and fast-thinking environment. So it's almost like you've got a blank sheet of paper, and you can you can come up with the way you want to to do things. Um, um, you know, almost out of the box. Innovation is is positively encouraged. Um, yeah, there is no there's no limit to how people think. When the when the thinking was going behind building the Burj Khalifa, it was all about Okay, look, here's a plan. We want to build a tower, uh, and uh, it's a case of okay, well, okay, how big is that tower? Is it the tallest tower in the world? Go back to drawing board and come back <laughs> what it is. So, uh, so it's that kind of thinking that characterizes everything that's in Dubai. It's almost like there's no point doing it if it's not the biggest, the best. It's not, uh, and the reason why I say the future is the east is because the mentality is not not about replicating um, what other people have done. It's almost like leapfrogging what other people have done. I love that. Um, His highness must have woke up one morning and saying, you know what? I want the tallest skyscraper around the world to be right here in Dubai. And, and, and uh, kidding aside, I love not imitating and replicating, but, but finding that unique path forward. And, and you mentioned a second ago, you know, there's, there's no limitations to how people think. And that's, um, that's a powerful concept, especially for solving you know, the current challenges that we're being faced with today and moving forward. So, um, so Kelly, before I ask Kim uh, what his favorite part is about Dubai and, and, and Kim, you're going to have a, <laughs> a tough hurdle to jump over Sam's answer there, but Kelly, what was one of your favorite things you, you just heard Sam share? Well, I was actually wondering to myself if possibly his highness was the one that picked <laughs> up the right. phone and said to the airline, get Sam. <laughs> He may have individually <laughs> plucked you out. Um, Maybe Kim tipped him off. <laughs> <laughs> recruiting. It's always recruiting. Um, no, I think, I mean, it's, it's a growth mindset, 
right? And so whether it applies to building a city or whether it applies to pulling people into your team or whether it applies to how you approach what any business can do, I think it's very hard to learn a different way to think. You can learn different skills and you can train and you can have different experiences, but actually embracing a growth mindset, that is really tough. And it sounds to me, Sam, you can tell me if I'm right. It sounds to me like that seems to be endemic in the culture, in the people, in the, in the country. Um, and as seen by the, you know, huge buildings going up in Dubai, but I'm sure there are a lot of less visible ways um, that the growth mindset plays out there as well. I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think I think it's led from the top. It's it's led from um, you know the rulers, the, the 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 government who really have this mindset to say uh, we need to achieve this and we need to achieve it now. And uh, and over a very short period of time, you know, the the the, the country is younger than me. Which is interesting, uh, and a lot younger than Kim. Um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, since, since it was um, since since its, its inception, um, you know, didn't even have an international airport. And now it has uh, the, the the busiest international airport uh, in the world, and, and some of the iconic operators such as Emirates. So it is that mindset of right. We need to just go and do it, and we need to do it do it big, do it in the best way. Uh, do it in the best way rather than the way um, other people have done it before, and and that that's really characteristic. That 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 growth mindset you mentioned, or the innovative mindset, is really what needs to be adopted. Um, not not just because of the pandemic, but across procurement and other industries anyway. Because as we come to industry 4.0, it is a case of having that growth mindset. Um, if you're talking about you know digitalization in procurement, uh, you you're not building systems that replicate how you used to do things before. You're saying you have a system that enables you to do things. You don't need to go through the same processes. Uh, you can really leapfrog uh, and take advantage of what you have in front of you. So that, that that's what the growth mindset is. Um, you you know where you want to, you know where you want to go to, but you don't want to actually just go there. You want to go beyond that point, and, and that that's what the growth mindset is. Love that requires a great deal of imagination and energy. Agreed, agreed, and and um, and kind of throwing out how you were taught. You know, some of the limitations, some of the blinders, some of the assumptions, you know, uh, so I, I, I really uh, appreciate you sharing that. And so, Kim, uh, continuing on the, the special place that Dubai is, tell us, your, you know, your your favorite aspects and then roll. let's roll right uh, right into uh, SIPs. Yeah, I decided in England up here about 20 years ago uh, on the executive search side. It was uh, the whole supply chain was was developing here. If anybody's interested to see how the UAE and Dubai grew, go to YouTube and have a look at a time lapse. Just put time lapse UAE or Dubai, and uh, it's pretty startling. Uh, and again, what attracted me here was the culture. Uh, Emiratis are extremely welcoming people. Um, the the leadership here, the royal family, the leadership, the major families here, extremely driven. They're driven by excellence, um, the digitization, and we talk supply chain in general and in broader economy, um, the, the, the whole of the UAE, of which there are seven emirates, uh, part of the union, um, and uh, they're all driven in many, many cities within uh, industrial cities, economic cities, uh, food cities, uh, economic, di digital cities uh, around. I don't know, Sam, how many there would be here, um, but uh, there's different zones and they all have different classifications and they're all specialised in 
and uh, everybody focuses on different areas of achievement. So that was what drove me here, Scott. And uh, we, we set up business here 2004 under a license in one of those economic zones. We're still in that same economic zone, not far from where I am here at my home office and uh, in Dubai Studio City, which is the equivalent of Hollywood in, in the UAE, if you like, or in Dubai. But uh, it, it's an exciting, it's been an exciting place. The culture has changed. It's become enormously more cosmopolitan. Uh, if you want to see the old Dubai or the old uh, areas of, of what this particular Emirates uh, environment was like, you go up to Russell Kama or down to Abu Dhabi or to, to different parts uh, of the Emirates and you'll see uh, all those different areas. But uh, yeah, very, very explosive, dynamic construction, economics, uh, broad, broad based and, and the logistics and supply chain, absolute global hub, not only because of the uh, major international airport, um, but also because of the sea lanes here, Jebel Ali, Abu Dhabi ports, um, of course, uh, you know, there's, there's massive, massive organisations which have enormous reach into all parts of the world that are based here from headquartered here. Okay, gosh. And it's a real, it's a real, it's a real melting pot. You're absolutely right, Kim. It's there. There's some quite interesting dynamics that uh, I think a lot of people don't realise about Dubai. And one of them is that uh, over over ninety percent of the people here are expats. So that's uh, you know, that's an overwhelming number of people um, who live who live in the city or the country are, are actually not from here. Um, uh, are not indigenous. Your all- restaurant scene must be fabulous. Uh, it is. I mean, Kim mentioned food <laughs> cities. I'm thinking, like, there must be a million wonderful things to eat from around the world. <laughs> it is, uh, and also something that 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 is not obvious that because it doesn't seem characteristic of the region. Region is that the UAE is actually one of the the most safest uh, cities or countries in the world in terms of crime rates. So, uh, for you know, in terms of lifestyle and whatever else, to, to have a family, young kids or whatever else, it is just an incredibly safe place to live um, in terms of, you know, crime rates and general uh, social interaction. So it, it's a fantastically great place to live. I love that. Okay. So uh, I feel like I've gotten a Dubai, a UAE certification in the last, uh, Kim, I'm glad we recorded just that last five minutes because that you know, uh, clearly you have been there for quite some time and, and, and clearly it is not only a melting pot, but, but a, a great connector city. You know, it, kinda, it feels like it brings a ton of industries and infrastructure and of course, businesses and, and innovation all together. So Kelly, I'm hearing a dial P on scene in Dubai soon, really soon. So look forward to that. So Kim, um, we're going to dive next into the uh, Chartered Institute of procurement and supply, right? Yeah, so Sam, give us a bit of a heads up and uh, let us know. When I, when I used to go to your conferences back in the early days, when you first arrived up here, I went because I thought procurement, these guys, people, women, control the money. So follow the money, they've got the wallet, they're the people who do the spending. But of course, more I got to be at your oh, you can, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, oh, he's exactly money. right. We don't need to debate what procurement means <laughs> but, or but why I found out, there. of course, <laughs> there was an enormous myriad more of uh, complexity to procurement um, as a profession. So uh, maybe you can just peel back the onion a little bit on the different elements that, uh, that you guys talk about. And, and you have very good examinations and qualifications in that area as well. Yeah, thanks for that. And it, it, it is quite interesting. I think I mentioned early on that, um, you know, in my first role, one of the things I was lucky to do was to be to, to, 
to, to join become a SIPS member and start doing my SIPS qualifications. Um, so, uh, you, you know, SIPS as the Chartered Institute of, of Procurement and Supply, uh, as you mentioned before, um, we've been around for a long time. So set up in 1932, so uh, an awful long time ago. And I remember uh, when I joined the institution, I wanted to know more about um, actually what sits behind uh, being set up in 1932, etc., etc. And uh, uh, so, so I did a little bit of digging with our kind of historians within SIPS, and, and, and they gave me the the real deal on on exactly how what this institute is and how it's set up. And um, the, the key starts in the name, Chartered Institute. Um, uh, and what I found out was that Chartered Institute's a very British thing, by the way, um, are were or and are. Um, institutes that are officially recognised um, uh, by the sovereign, uh, you know, by the Queen, as being representative of a profession, uh, which means, by definition, that um, there will never be two chartered institutes in any particular profession. So, which which means that if you're if you if you, if you become the chartered institute of a particular profession, unless you do something um, awful, then then you're likely to keep that role charter, um, um, you know, all the time. And it was interesting when I when we were setting up our business in Dubai, and the um, the officials were asking for, you know, our kind of articles of association. Um, of course, SIPS as a chartered institute doesn't have that. What we have is we have a royal seal from the sovereign. In a glass box, so it's still a very, very uh, traditional setup to be a chartered institute. So, um, but also it has a lot of obligations. So, you know, our obligations are to to, to support the growth uh, and development of the of the, as they say the arts and science of procurement and supply. So, you, you know, we're not PLC, we're not an organisation. Uh, we 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 just have to prove every year that we are uh, representing and supporting the profession around the world. So, so that becomes quite difficult. So SIPS wears a couple of hats. Uh, one, uh, the primary one, is that we are a registered charity. Um, and, uh, and, and our company set up in our head office is as a registered charity. Um, and then we put on the other hats, which are we're an uh, educational awarding body. And third, we're an advisory, uh, we're a business advisor. So uh, coming back to what we do around the world, you know, we've been set up in 1932 in the UK, which means that's a very mature procurement environment. Uh, then you come to 2011 when we set up in in, in the UAE. Um, that's where you're fulfilling that ambition to spread um, the, the 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 not the best practice but the leading practice in procurement around the world. Because um, to a certain extent, for people who are not in procurement, there can always be a perception of what procurement is. Uh, and even organisations which have been asked to to join and set up a procurement function, th there's been different. Um, reasons why people have wanted to do that. Maybe they've had an audit and the, the, the audit department have said, you need to set up a procurement function. Um, what do you need to do that for? To control the spend, uh, to control ethics, to make sure that all quotes are stamped. So people don't really understand uh, or, or, or to save money, to save 10% uh, in spend every year. But actually, I think as you said, Kelly, it, it can go further than that. And, and the, the, the best value you can get out of a procurement team is to allow them to to um, align with your business strategy and to be looking to identify and control inherent risks uh, uh, and ultimately be uh, not a cost center but a profit center because procurement should be able to pay for itself uh, simply by the 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 you know the, the strategic value that they're adding um, to the organization and also through the cost avoidance 
that they're adding. So there's many strategic aspects to procurement, uh, you know, from 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 the way suppliers are treated to the way um, commercial risks uh, or supply chain risks are handled uh, to ultimately make sure that an organization is is reaching its bottom line ambitions and not just saving money on a, on a short-term basis. I'm actually interested to know a little bit more, Sam. So I did my homework. So obviously I know SIPS has its origins in the, in the UK. In recent years, there's been a push to sort of build out in the US, or I should probably say North America. Um, but SIPS, MENA, where you are, so Middle East and Northern Africa, you've got, is it 21 countries that are part of your sort of jurisdiction um, I know probably at a certain level, a lot of the business is conducted in English, but there are multiple, even dialects of Arabic spoken as the primary language in those countries. When it comes to the community aspect that's associated with events or training or connecting professionals within the region, what is that like given the range of countries and then organizational maturity levels that you have among your immediate membership? Yeah, it's a great question. One of the, one of the, the the strengths, I think, of the region, first of all, is the community. Um, so uh, when I first came to the Middle East and I was um, employed in different roles, I, I, I was part of the community. There, you know, there is a community. We all go to the events and we we volunteer to speak and that sort of thing. So, so the community is really what 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 drives and uh, continues to drive the the you know the emergence of of procurement in the region. But it can be incredibly com- complex. You know, uh, we, we've been talking about Dubai for a long time within this conversation, but Dubai is not even the capital city of the UAE, <laughs> right? So, um, so it's, it's an incorrect, and it's and and Dubai as a as a city is chalk and cheese um, from Abu Dhabi, which is the the capital of the UAE, uh, and is very different to Saudi Arabia, uh, and it can be very different to the eastern province of Saudi Arabia. Um, it's very different to Egypt. It's very different to Lebanon. So, so there, there, there are, as you say, myriad of different approaches and maturity levels of procurement. So it's, it's very strategic that we're based in Dubai because it, I guess it's, it's the biggest hub where you can, you can, you can get the biggest uh, traction in terms of uh, people being on similar pages. But yeah, what, the, the way we, we approach the community and the imparting of knowledge across the different um, uh, areas is, is to have um, a, 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 what we call a branch community. So within um, the MENA region, uh, as, as defined by the, the SIPS map, which is 17 countries, including Pakistan, but we won't go into how we've done that. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, the, uh, w- what happens is we have what we call branch communities in, in, in countries across the region. So we have uh, what we call a SIPS branch in, well, we have three SIPS branches in the UAE. We have three in Saudi Arabia. We got one in Lebanon, one in Egypt. And and what happens there is these are professionals, but also volunteers who understand uh, their own local uh, environment, the maturity of procurement, what's needed, what the, what the priorities are. And they pretty much run the community on a voluntary basis in all these countries. Uh, supported by us, they they will uh, facilitate the you know the local branch events, the the, the conferences, the webinars, uh, and uh, you know with our support because they know what is the priority. And the priority for procurement and supply chain in Egypt is very different to what it is in Kuwait. Uh, so so we allow them uh, to give us that knowledge and and uh, and we support them uh, as much as we can. So um, so they lead it. 
and uh, and and the, the the success in that means that you've got uh, local people who are um, you know uh, w waving the flag, speaking the right language, and speaking to the right people. Uh, and as a result of that, you'll find in in some countries. Uh, in the region now, um, SIPs qualifications are actually sponsored or, or, or paid for by the government. Uh, if you go to Bahrain or Saudi Arabia, um, uh, people who take SIPs qualifications at the entry level, fully funded uh, by the government because the, the volunteers have lobbied uh, for that and uh, the, the, the authorities have seen value and, and, and they've wonderful. come on Investing in your workforce uh, in, in these key, key areas of the craft. So that's great to hear. Um, all right, so Kim, beyond all of that uh, great value proposition that SIPs presents, they also do a lot of good good work in the world, right? Yeah, I mean, you guys are uh, involved in a whole lot of initiatives, uh, Sam. I've, you know, I've seen uh, you guys lending your support to a whole range of different uh, activities, being charities and also economic and uh, humanitarian activities around the Gulf. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, so we, we have the SIPS Foundation. SIPS Foundation is the specific uh, charity arm of SIPS, um, an integral part of the organization from the center. And, and, and that looks after a couple of things. Uh, it, it's there to support um, individuals who uh, do not have access financially to an education and if they want if that education uh, preferences in procurement supply then then we're here to support them uh, so, so so we we support a number of students around the world you know on, on a bursary basis uh in in um areas of the world where they, they cannot afford that and uh we've evaluated that uh that it's useful to them so that's what the foundation does it, it provides bursaries but it also supports um you know procurement or supply chain related issues uh, problems or projects in different parts of the world um where where either donors or or applicants have, have, have applied to us through the foundation for assistance and we can provide either practical help or whatever help is needed uh, as far as we, we're able uh, to, to help those projects go through uh, and, and that can go as far as you know helping a, a you know provide water in a, in a part of the world or a village in a part of the world that that hasn't got it from, from a supply chain point of view working with uh, local people who have come up with the project to sponsor someone who who has to walk 20 miles a day um to school so it, the 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 work of the foundation is wide ranging, but but on top of that, I mean, as an organisation, we we we've always worked with a lot of the 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 global NGOs from whether it's the World Bank or the UNDP or UN Women um, on different projects around the world, and the, the most recent one um, being the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, so we work very closely with them on a project to um, to build up healthcare procurement knowledge in Africa. Uh, so that project started about three years ago. Uh, and so we kicked off in South Africa, uh, subsequently now in Nigeria, and 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 after that we'll move to Kenya, where we the the the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are providing the, the the kind of funding for it. We're providing the actual knowledge and training and and an advisory side of that. So that that's a partnership, another partnership that we have. So. You know, as an institute, that that's uh, one of our primary um, requirements as a chartered institute to to, to represent uh, the profession. Love it, and I love how y'all put at least one aspect of your mission. You're kind of speaking to it. Quote uh, to improve people's lives through better supply chains. End quote. I love that, and I love 
the action behind it, most importantly, Sam. Um, okay, so from here, I'll tell you, there's there's so much. There's uh, an hour does not do uh, Sam justice here. But Kelly, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the the craft itself of procurement, right? We are, yes. Um, and as I said when we opened, I, I'm obviously not objective, but I think this is a fascinating time to be in procurement and supply chain. Um, so Sam, as you have conversations with whether it's your local community there in Dubai or whether it's out through all of the different uh, branch members, what are sort of the top topics that you're hearing discussed either with the greatest amount of urgency um, or most frequently regardless of where folks are? I think uh, look, COVID the pandemic has, has focused people's mind and put a big spotlight on, on procurement and supply chain. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bigger focus on, on what we do, what we can do, what people think we can do, uh, what people think we should do rather. Um, so, so that that's what's front of mind from a kind of a reactionary point of view. Um, how can we uh, deal with supply chain risk? How can we uh, deal with shortages, escalating prices, um, uh, you know, lack of supplies in a certain areas, lack of commodity, uh, near so local sourcing, sustainability? Th th those are the kind of things. But I think if we put the pandemic to the side and, and assume that that's very reactionary stuff, I think the digitalization of procurement was, was, was front and center. Um, uh, you know, before the pandemic happens and continues to be, it's 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 clearly known that to uh, for procurement practices to be aligned with, you know, Industry 4.0 is the only way to go. And and uh, and if people don't, they'll be left behind because um, you can't you can't go half into something like digitalization because it involves re-engineering re re your processes, the way you think. Um, and, you know, things like big data mean, mean you've got a, a more strategic mindset. So digitalization is, is definitely the, the, the biggest, uh, after, after supply chain risk has, has, has reared its head, it's, it's definitely the biggest subject. But there are other areas. I mean, ethics is a huge thing in procurement at the moment. Uh, and uh, which is why at SIPS we've we've developed what we call the the ethics test, which we ask all our members to take uh, every year. I actually did mine yesterday. It uh, took me two days to do, but that's a whole different subject. But um, <laughs> um, it, uh, because that's so important. I mean, the the, the cost of unethical behaviour. Um, it's a commercial cost, you know, it adds 10% to, to, to the cost of doing business around the world at, at the very least. Uh, I think we're talking kind of 10% of GDP, the world's GDP is uh, eroded by uh, unethical behavior. So ethics is a huge subject. Uh, and, and part of ethics is, is, of course, sustainability. You know, the, 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 the triple bottom, bottom line, it's not just about, uh, you know, profits, you, got, you know, pe people and planet are absolutely fundamental because now consumers are, are actually uh, talking with their feet and jumping on board to sustainable companies. So uh, there's no more excuse not to do that. It, it's a commercial imperative to, to, uh, to adopt sustainable practices. So, so th those are big subjects. And, and on the bottom of all of that is capability development. So, you know, the number of organizations and CPOs who are saying, great, yeah, we need procurement people, but we cannot find enough uh, good or brilliant people. Uh, and that's interesting because there's a lot of procurement people around. Uh, but I think people are, are, are seeing that it's, it's quality more than quantity now. 
Um, you need real strategic thinkers, people uh, who are looking far beyond, um, you know, the, the reduction on on in price on a transactional basis, but looking at uh, value at the bottom line. So, so, so that, that that's what I'm hearing. Uh, and interestingly enough, people are asking, you know has from a procurement perspective ha, ha, has the thinking of the industry or the industry practitioners changed since covid i i, I hear that quite a lot these days you, you know uh, uh what what are you going to change uh now that you've seen what's happened in covid and, it, and it's such an interesting question because i you know i've thought about it quite a few times and i've answered the question a few times and and i honestly think the only thing uh th that will fundamentally changing in in thinking um around procurement and supply chain professionals is probably the whole just-in-time concept that's probably the only thing that that people may even think but um um but but you could also argue that you know just in time wasn't a pure procurement supply chain concept but that's a whole different uh subject but everything else really is is reinforcing best practice you know uh where people had single sourcing before well you know no one ever advocated single sourcing uh, you know where people have have not had the um, the correct relationship with their suppliers. Well, um, you know the, the advocacy has always been around uh, treating your strategic suppliers in, in a strategic way, uh, and uh, and all of these things are, are what have come out of COVID. You know, pe people who have who have fallen foul of the economic conditions of COVID have been because um, they have not been as 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 sophisticated in risk management in supply relationship management and uh, and all the other areas in contract management you know uh, when people talk about force majeure uh, <laughs> it's a bit late to talk about force majeure after a pandemic has just hit you know <laughs> that that sort of thing so these are all things that you could have mitigated against almost and and it's not something that we kind of need to go back and think oh right okay should the thinking have been more focused on uh force majeure contract management supply relationship management it always was. Um, it's all about the adoption of these best practices. And so maybe one last quick procurement question, then I'll, I'll give somebody else a turn. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, SIPS is focused <laughs> on skills development, right? Capabilities, training. But as we discussed when we were hearing your story, there's a piece of it that you can't train into people. And whether it's an innovative mindset or creativity or the heart, like I said, that you clearly must have exhibited on that project to be pulled into procurement. Um, you know, personally, when you look at the people that are coming into the space, what are you seeing as the priorities, you know, in the area of literal skills development versus maybe looking at the way people think or the, the personality traits that they bring to the work? Uh, what would you say kind of on that balance? It's all about the soft skills, and if you look at the, you know, the the the, the top ten skills, maybe you need uh, as a procurement professional in, in this day and age, then the the soft skills are at the top rather than the bottom. Uh, so that's what's been the shift. You, you need to have that emotional intelligence. You know, uh, what we say is digital industry 4.0, where AI meets EI, or something along those lines. I heard, but um, but essentially, it's um, yeah, the soft skills are on top. If if you if you're able to have those influencing skills, those uh, stakeholder management skills, uh, the rest of the stuff can come on board. Uh, because, for example, people talk about negotiation being a key skill of, of um, procurement professionals, and, uh, and, and, and it is. Uh, but I had a round table recently, and, uh, and I just threw it out there and said, guys, look, if at this stage of your career, um, as a senior procurement professional, if you don't know how to negotiate, you know what? Don't worry about it. You don't need, don't focus on it. Don't worry about it because because if there's one thing that can 
be substituted, it's that. You got you got eSource and your ERPs, whatever else. But if you don't have the soft skills, that can't be replicated. That can't be replaced. So it's almost um, th- those are the those are the key focuses. And and it, and actually, I think you mentioned in terms of what SIPS does. So um, you know the, the 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 reason we have a regional office is to work a lot with uh, you, you, on a B two B basis. And the B two B basis uh, doesn't always. Um, when we're working with other organizations doesn't always just include you know the, the the qualifications and things along those lines it advise it, it involves a lot of advisory work uh, we work with lots of organizations about uh, not how their people do procurement but how they do procurement they, uh, how they set up what is the structure of procurement uh, what are the policies and procedures what do they do how they're performing where where does procurement sit in the organization how influential is it uh, how strategic it, it is we work with a ton of organizations uh, around the region on just that aspect um, alone um, on on how how effective is is your procurement function um, and then on the other side when, when we work with people um, a lot of what we do uh, doesn't only focus on the on the technical aspects a lot of it focuses on leadership um, stakeholder management is a huge module um, you, you know, um, emotion intelligence is a huge module, as as is, you, you know, ethics and accountability and uh, and things along those lines. So actually, now, in terms of the the weighting, the the, the soft skills are at the top of what we teach, uh, and the teaching style style is very very um, project based now. So it's more about uh, oral presentations on what you've just learned rather than um, actually writing an examination. It's, it, it's, it's saying, right, you've just learned these four modules. Okay, translate that into a problem in your own organization. Present that back to us and your boss and convince us that you've actually taken away some critical thinking as, as what, and, and be able ability to apply what you've learned there. Uh, I love that. That's some of the more powerful professional development um, programs and curriculum that, that, that I've, I've ever been through. So, um, Sam, y'all are up to so much at SIPs and it seems like you touch so many aspects of industry and, and, and so many different professionals where, where they are in a multitude of journeys, you know, folks just breaking in to folks trying to move up and into the you know, upper, upper echelon and, and, and folks that, that are, you know, looking for maybe to challenge their own assumptions they've developed over a couple of decades of being in industry and, and, and beyond it all. Uh, you're doing a lot of good things uh, and helping people, and and that's uh, we can't get enough of that in this in this year that we live in here. So huge thanks, uh, Sam. I love what you and the SIPS team are doing. But enough for me. I wanted to get a, a key. You know, as we start to wind the conversation down here today, and I still Kelly and Kim, it just if we're just scraping the, the top of the iceberg with Sam here. I know. But but what's been y'all's favorite thing out of all the ground that we've covered here today? What's been one of your favorite things that Sam has shared? Yeah. So Sam, I, what I like uh, a lot about what you guys are doing is is all of the community activity and uh, the strength of the brand that you've developed. And uh, I've known a lot of SIPs organizations and execs around the world, Australia, New Zealand. Um, different parts of Asia. So I think you have to take a bit of kudos and uh, a bit of recognition for what's been going on up here the last 13 years since you arrived Also, so. But um, Thank you. from my perspective, uh, really, I think one of the hot points for me is the fact that you've built 
the credibility of the brand of the qualification to a level where from us as a global executive recruiter in the supply chain space, it is one of SIPs is one of the few qualifications that will actually, from our perspective, tip somebody into a high-ranking position for a shortlist for a job. So I think, uh, and especially in this particular market here where you stand out, as I said before, as by far the most professional industry type organisation, chartered certainly, but also other industry associations, and also the way that that can influence decision-making and careers. I mean, the next job for somebody may be the most important one of the most important things that ever happens in their lives. So you guys have got a role to play there. So I think that's been really good, and I congratulate you for that. Well said, Thank you. Kim. Yeah. Um, Kelly, what's, what's been, out of all of the, the goodness that Sam Ajapong has shared with us here today, what, what's your favorite? Well, I'm lucky I get to talk about procurement all the time. Um, and one of the things that's a constant is change. We're always evolving. We're always transforming. We're always maturing. And I think having this conversation today reminds me why that's necessary. It's because procurement is such a big job. So much is asked of us on an individual level, at the company level, in the global community, regionally. Um, there's an awful lot that we have to be able to do. And it does include everything from negotiation to ethics, to supplier identification, to rationalization, to every single soft skill you can possibly imagine. Um, it's a very big role, but that's what makes it so much fun. And that's what makes it so exciting. And that's why, I mean, I can't imagine you know, whether it's getting plucked out of somewhere unexpectedly or getting moved sideways into procurement, I would view that as a professional stroke of luck for anybody uh, that, that has that experience. So we can just run this as like a recruiting video. You know, <laughs> it's a fun, exciting, challenging, messy, awesome, strategic place to work. And there's no other place you want to be. Well said. Uh, I completely agree, Kelly. Um, all right, so I'm going to go around the horn, uh, so to speak, and, and make sure folks know how to connect not only with Sam, but also with Kelly and Kim. But Sam, starting with you, you got so much going on, but how can folks compare notes with you and, and get more information on SIPs? Yeah, just contact me on LinkedIn, Sam Champong. Uh, contact me on, on LinkedIn. And uh, if you want to know more about SIPs in general, uh, www.cips.org um, is the place to go. The place Wonderful. To go. It's just that easy, Sam. And of course, we'll include... Uh, a couple of those links in the show notes. So you're just one click away to our listeners to, for uh, to connecting with Sam and Sips. Okay. So uh, Kim, how about you and the logis uh, logistics executive group? And of course, we've talked about logistics executive TV, uh, TV wonderful yeah. content out there on YouTube, but how else can folks connect with, with Kim Winter? Sure. Thanks, Scott. Hey, anybody can hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm, uh, I'm fairly uh, big on LinkedIn these days. We put a lot of effort in communicating with our ecosystem, with our community, both from the executive search side and the corporate advisory M&A transformation side. So uh, LinkedIn's a big one. Otherwise, logisticsexecutive.com. And I just want to get a plug in for the UAE here, even though I'm a resident of four different countries and <laughs> <laughs> to live all over the place, uh, not so much with COVID, but uh, we've got Expo in the UAE this year, uh, about October, I think it is at Sam, um, the later in the year, yep. big yep. event, and uh, the borders are open, no quarantines coming in here, as long as you've got your PCR test, uh, you can get in and out of uh, the UAE, no problems whatsoever. Love that, um, and, and really love love the, your passion for all that you do, uh, Kim, it, it, it exudes across your social, it, it, it really 
comes out and manifests itself in your interviews. And every time we, we reconnect, um, you just, you're genuine and you're driven by, by helping others. So Kim, I, I, you know, we don't, we don't get a chance to cut, uh, reconnect enough and I admire what you do. Thanks, Scott. Um, okay. I'm a big fan of all three of y'all here. I'm going to have a Sam tattoo and a Ken tattoo and of course a Kelly Barner tattoo <laughs> across the back, but yeah. I really mean it. I mean, the three of y'all uh, are, um, you know, we, 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 deeds, not words is what we live. We try to live by here and all three of y'all clearly are taking action uh, to, 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 to drive a, a better industry. And Kelly, uh, finally, finally with you, how can folks connect with you and, and buyers meeting point? Sure. So same as, as Sam and Kim, Find me on LinkedIn. My web home is buyersmeetingpoint.com. And then, of course, save the date, the third Tuesday of every single month from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Scott and I, the Dial P for Procurement live stream. That's probably the most fun way to get in touch with us. Agreed. Um, And and be sure to bring your voice. Join us for the live stream. And then, and then bring it. Uh, we really love hearing from folks across the ecosystem, as Ken put it, or the community. So, um, all right, we're gonna have to leave, we're gonna have to leave it here. Uh, we're gonna have to have Sam uh, and Kim back with us uh, to reconnect. Uh, there's so much going on, but in the meantime, be sure and a big thanks to Sam Acha, uh, Sam Achampong, sorry, regional head and general manager for the Chartered Institute of Procurement and Supply, better known as SIPS. Uh, Sam, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Scott. Uh, and of course, my esteemed co-hosts here today, Kelly Barner with Buyers Meeting Point and Kim Winter with the Logistics Executive Group. Big thanks to both of y'all. Thanks, Scott. Okay. So folks, hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation, this this certification uh, class, masterclass perhaps, as much as I have <laughs> um, a ton of insights and knowledge and, um, and market intel on what's been covered here today. Uh, big thanks for tuning in. Hey, uh, on behalf of our entire team here, hope this finds you well wherever you are, and 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 come visit UAE. We're gonna we're gonna take Tim uh, Kim's uh, invite up on that. So uh, the future is east, as Sam has shared. But most importantly, folks, be like these three right here. Do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.